Stand with me as we read the word this morning. I'm going to read two different scriptures. First from the book of Psalms, verse 40, chapter 42. The psalmist writes this, he says, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for you, O Lord, the living God. Where can I go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking. As I remember how it used to be, I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing a joy and giving thanks, aimed the sound of great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Another translation says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior, my God. Now I'd like to read from Jeremiah chapter 15. The prophet says this, When I discovered your words, Lord, I devoured them. They are my joy. They are my heart's delight, for I bear your name. O Lord, God of heaven's armies, I never joined the people in their merry feast. I I, I sat alone because your hand was with me. I was filled with indignation at their sins. Why? Why then does my suffering continue? Why is my wound so incurable? Your help seems as uncertain as a seasonal brook, like a spring that has gone dry. And this, this is how the Lord responds. If you return to me, I will restore you so you, can, so you can continue to serve me. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you will be my spokesman. You must influence them. Do not let them influence you. They will fight against you like an attacking army, but I will make you as secure as a fortified wall of bronze. They will not conquer you, for I am with you to protect you and rescue you, because I am the Lord, and I've spoken. Yes, I will certainly keep you safe from the wicked men. I will rescue you from their cruel hands. Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity to come and join and worship you, Lord God, for these babies that we got to to dedicate to you this morning. Be with us now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Uh, Chris, could you, yeah, yeah, everybody can be seated. Sorry. Uh, So I know we've kind of gone a little bit long. Can I have like some extra, just a few extra minutes this morning? I promise I'll make it work. You're wild. If, if, uh, if Chris, you can find me my water, it disappeared. I think one of the babies stole it. Pretty, pretty sure it was Joel. I don't know. I don't know what happened to it. But You know, I, I read these verses this week, and they were just going through my head over and over. And, you know, one of the things that I love about the Bible is just the sheer honesty of it. The sheer honesty that you could open up the scriptures, you could read the Psalms, you could read some of the words of the prophets, and these these guys are just pouring out their hearts, and they say things in the scriptures that we would never say in public. They say some of the things that are like, yes, I mean, and I just connect with it. And I think, I think the psalmist writes, you know, man, I've just, I've had a rough day. I'm longing. I'm thirsting. Why are you downcast? Oh, my soul. Uh, the uh, prophet Jeremiah, he's like, Lord, where are you at? You're as uncertain as a seasonal brook. The, me- the message translation says it like this. God, you're like this oasis in the desert 
that, that, that when I, when, right when I think I got you, boom, you vanish. Like, has anybody ever felt that way before? Like, they've been chasing after God, and you thought, like, yes, right here, God, you're so close. Boom, and he's gone. Have you ever chased after anything and thought that, oh, right when you were about to obtain it, right when you were about to get it, it just disappears. It's so close and yet so far away. And I love the Bible because oftentimes it says the things that we're feeling, we're thinking. This is what we're going through. And and it's a lot like these kids. You know, because these kids, they don't have certain filters that we have as adults. And the, the kids will just tell you whatever they think. The other night... Me and my wife were having me- a meal together, and, and we're eating, and, and I'm like, oh, this tastes so good. Honey, what do you think? Uh, and Devin's like, yeah, I really enjoy it. Kobe, what do you think? This is disgusting. <laughs> like, but Daddy worked really hard at it, but it's disgusting, Dad. Like, where did you learn that word? Like, you're supposed to say it's okay, but I prefer something. Man, and like, she's just like, it's disgusting. It's terrible. And, and the... Um, this happened. This is a true story. Um, uh, my, my daughter, again, they, they're in the children's classrooms, and the teacher tells me this story of what happened. Uh, the teacher says, hey, we're, we're, we've, we've had our worship time, and we're getting ready to go, and, and let's read from the Bible. And whenever the teacher says, hey, let's read from the Bible, my daughter stands up in the class and says, the Bible? Oh, man, we've got to read from that again. We always read from the Bible. Can we do three little pigs? <laughs> and, like, I love it because, like, there's just the sheer honesty of, like, I want to read the three little pigs. Like, give me the little engine that could. Come on. We're all. And, like, you know, I, I just love it. And I love reading about these guys. And, and it assures me that here are, there's men and women in these scriptures that they could have bad days. They could go through things. They could say, why are you downcast, oh, my soul? They, they, they could let it all on the line and say, God, this, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I feel. And, and here it is. You know, he, he says, God, you're like this, this seasonal brook that, that it, I'm not sure if it's going to be there when I need it. God, I, I know I love you, I believe in you, I trust in you, but God, when I really need you, I'm not sure if you're going to be there when I need you. And I love that because here are, here are men and women that the Bible like, says, like, these are men and women after God's own hearts. These are men and people, women that, that are heroes of the faith and, and, and love God, and yet they still are kind of going through these struggles. My heart longs. I, I, I'm a deer that, that's panting for the water. I'm thirsting for you, God. I don't know about you, but, like, but being thirsty is not like a fun thing. Like, have you ever had that moment where you're just so thirsty, and, and you, you, you get to the fridge, and you're, you open it up, and there's an empty Kool-Aid jug? Like, who put the empty jug back in there? And that's what Jeremiah feels like right now. It's like, God, it, it kind of feels like you're this dried up brook. Like, I've come this way, I've gone here, and then it's, it's empty. Where are you at? Um, one of the prayers uh, that I've had for this church since the very beginning of the church is I said, God, I, I want to pastor a church, and I want to pastor a group of people that know how to uh, put down roots. And, and, and by that, what I mean is I want to pastor a group of people that, that we don't quit easily. 
Uh, one of the things I think here in America is, man, we just quit so easily. I mean, one little thing goes wrong, and we throw in the towel. I mean, one flat tire, and our faith is like on life support. And I said, God, you know, this is that I want to pastor a group of people and lead a group of people that we have deep roots in you. That no matter what the enemy throws our way, no matter what happens in this life, God, we could come back to you and, and, and we're just, we're not going to be shaken by the things of this world. We're going to have deep roots. And, and, and I've learned this about from, from different people that do gardening and planting and all that kind of good stuff with, with grass. And they say this, when, when you're planting grass, there, there's a time in which when, when the seed first goes down, you heavily water it for, for the first month. I mean, you're heavily watering to make sure that that seed takes and can, can come up. But there comes a time uh, whenever the grass is growing and things are good that it's called stressing the grass. And so what that means is that they'll actually hold back some of the water, and they let the grass stress so that way the roots of the grass will actually dig down deeper. So that way whenever there's a really long drought period or really different periods of the sun, that it just won't wither up and die. So there's stressing the roots, it's called. Have you ever felt like God is stressing your roots? Have you ever felt like, man, yeah, there's those times where, man, it's just everything's great and everything's wonderful and water's flowing and things are growing and things are, and then there's all of a sudden where, God, my soul longs for you. My soul thirsts for you. God, where are you at? I'm trying to find you, but you're this, this seasonal brook. I go to find you, and it's where? Why, why is it that my infirmities are haunting me day and night? And it just kind of feels like, well, God, where are you? And God, I think God's saying, listen, I'm just kind of stressing your roots a little bit. I need you to dig down a little bit deeper. And, and here's what's amazing. When, when, when the prophet Jeremiah says everything that's on his heart, when he's, when he's done all this, he's, my suffering, it's continued. Why is this wound so incur- incorrigible? Uh, all this, this is what God says. God responds and he says, if you return to me, I will restore you so you can continue to serve me. And I thought, this is interesting. What do you mean, if you return to me? See, if I was Jeremiah, I would be like, whoa, 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 hold on. If I return to you, God, have you not, like, seen the resume? Have you not seen all of the things that I've been doing? You've put these words in my heart. I've gone and I've been speaking your word day in and day out. out. I've been doing all of these things for you, God. I've done this and I've done this. What are you talking about, return to me? And I've learned this. It's hard to return to God when you think you've never left. And God says, hold on, Jeremiah. We, we've got to get some things right here. And God says, return to me. Um, Chris Stanley, uh, his wife Carla, makes the best peach cobbler that you will ever taste in your life. And I've been cri- friends with the Stanleys for like almost 20 years now, I think. And so I, I know the joys of this cobbler for a number of years. I've partaked in it. I've seen it. And, and I plan ahead. If I know that she's making this cobbler, I make sure that there's room for it. Like nothing else matters. Like I will give up the prime rib knowing that there's peach cobbler coming down the, coming down the, the, the corner lately. 
And, and, and this, is, this is, I mean, it's just amazing. So if you ever have the chance to have it, you are blessed. And um, so somewhere along the line, my mom is um, not exactly the skilled cook of the crowd, but she knows, I'm just, you know, just keep it real in church. And uh, I love her. I love you, mom. But she gets a hold of Carl and says, hey, listen, I want to, I've seen the praise that you get for this peach cobbler. I would like to get this praise as well. Could you give me the recipe? I'm assuming this is the conversation. And uh, anyway, so my mom decides, like, she's going to make a peach cobbler. And, and I'm going to get the details all wrong. But anyway, she makes this peach cobbler. And, and my dad's there, and I'm there. And, the, and it might have been Thanksgiving or something. And, and we're all, like, eating this cobbler. And my dad's kind of like, something's, this ain't Carla's cobbler. And my, my, my brother's like, yeah. Uh, and we're all kind of like, well, it's not like necessarily bad, but it's not good either. <laughs> and all of a sudden we realize there's no peaches in it. <laughs> she has made a peach cobbler with no peaches. And we all just look at her and we're laughing. And she's like, I got distracted. The TV was on, and there was phone calls, and I had to take the dogs out. And we're just laughing, like, you made a peach cobbler with no peaches. (laughs) And if we're not careful, this is exactly how we treat our faith. We get really busy for God, and we do really good things. And we're like, Jeremiah, have you seen God? All of these things I've done for you. And and then at the end of the day, we end up with faith without Jesus. We end up, it's not that life is necessarily bad, but it's not good either. And we find ourselves at a place in our faith where we forgot the peaches. We forgot Jesus. And Jesus says, just like he says to Jeremiah, return to me. Which again, hard thing to do. When you think you've never left. Hard thing to do when you think you've never left. And, and this is true for all areas of our lives. Man, it can happen in our marriage. Man, you, you know, uh, uh, you're be, you, it, it happens as husbands, as wives, that we forget the, the first love. We forget what it's all about. Matter of fact, that's, this is what Jesus tells us to one of the churches in the book of Revelations. Like, I know your works. I know all the good things you're doing. I, I know you, you've, but, re, you know, return to your first love. Don't forget about the main thing. See, you could be married, but not really ever be there. See, you, you could come to church and you could hear worship and not really enter in. You, 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 could, you could be a dad, but not a father. And God says, return to me. And then he says this. He says, Jeremiah, like, if you'll return to me. And then he says this. He says, if you will speak good words rather than worthless ones. Which is like, wait, hold on. I'm the prophet here. I'm the one telling all the words that you're telling me to tell. And now you're telling me, wait a minute, I've been speaking some worthless words. Hold on a minute. God, you're way off on this one. Um, the, the, the last baby up here this morning, Evelyn, uh, she is a miracle baby. Keith and Chris, uh, and I'm hoping not, we'll 
film their story, so I don't want to tell all of it. Um, but basically, Keith and Krista were told, um, your chances of getting pregnant are slim to none. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't really have a good chance of, of getting pregnant. Um, you need to look into some different things. And, and they were going down that route, and then all of a sudden, she got pregnant. And, and to, to which the doctors began to feed them some of these bad reports. Well, because you're this age and this, this happened, like, there's these things that, that could be wrong with the baby, and there's different tests, and then these things can be wrong with the baby. And, and Keith would call me, and he would say, listen, Lucas, this is what's happening. The doctor said this about the baby. And, and, and then, and then uh, Evie was born at 29 weeks. 29 weeks she was born. That's super premature. She spent the first few months of her life in the hospital. And, and the whole time the doctors are saying all this, that we might have to do this and we might have to do that. And, and Keith, would, Keith would talk to me and we would talk. And every time we would get together and every time we would talk, I would say, listen, Keith, I don't know, but this is the scripture verse that I want you and your wife to stand on. And, and it says this in Philippians 4. It says, whatever things are good, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, dwell on these. Dwell on the good. Dwell on what God has said about your baby. I know that these are what the doctors are saying. I know that all of these things, but listen, all of that's rubbish. God knows, and God has a plan, and God has a purpose. Whatever things are good, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, dwell on these. And now she stands before you here this morning, and she's healthy, and she's strong. You know, we, yeah, (laughs) miracle. And and one day I'm going to have them share the whole story with you guys. You know, we as individuals, uh, as a group, as society here in America, oftentimes we're kind of prone to dwell on the negative. We're, bro- we're prone to just like, man, like our minds just shift to everything that went wrong. And, and that's what the enemy does. He gets our thinking into thinking everything's bad and everything is negative. And to to where we can't even see the positive and the beauty and the blessings of life. Uh, I was watching this, um, uh, I think it was a comedian or something, but he was telling the story of these two gentlemen that were sitting on a plane, and they're talking back and forth, and the guys, one of the guys on his laptop, and he's typing away, doing his work. And halfway through the flight, the guy just gets really mad, slams the laptop down. He's like, I can't believe this. The Wi-Fi is out. It's like, mad. And to which the other guy sitting beside him is like, dude, you are in a plane. You're literally flying in the air at 500 miles an hour. I mean, the miracle of flight is happening right now. You come in and sit in a chair, and in a few hours, you're going to be wherever you want to be in the world. And you're talking about the Wi-Fi? Like, it's the equivalent of, like, have you gone to a steakhouse, and you've just eaten the most amazing steak, and then someone's like, yeah, but the peas were cold. (laughs) Seriously? Who cares that the peas were cold? Like, who cares if the Wi-Fi's out? Like, our minds, we're just tuned to the negative. We're tuned to see, like, everything, you know, like, Man, I went to Disney, but those lines, those lines were so long. Dude, you are in the magical kingdom. There's little elves running around and Cinderella's. Like, 
you just like step somewhere and someone's there to greet you. And there's a huge castle. Like, like yeah, the lines are long. I mean, like, just the negativity. And like, let me like let you guys in on a little secret. No one likes a whiner. No one likes a whiner. Not even God. God's like, Jeremiah, you're whining. Return to me. Speak good words. Because you're speaking some dumb stuff right now. And that's what, listen, I looked up whining in the dictionary. And this is what it says. To be a whiner, to utter a low and usually nasal (laughs) sound from an unease and disconnect sniveling, complaining position, usually a, in a self-pitying way. <laughs> Woo! Son! Which is the equivalent of... <laughs> like, parents, what do y'all do when kids start whining? You send them to time out. Why? Because we don't want to hear it. Like, go sit in time out. Like, stop the whining. Because when you start whining, you're saying things that just really aren't true. You're saying things that you think everything revolves around you in this self-pitying kind of way. And Jeremiah is saying all these things that God, oh yeah, this is how I feel about you, which God's totally cool with. There's a difference between whining and pouring out your heart, okay? Now that's a sermon for another day because Pastor kind of took all my time. So... <laughs> Oh, I love him. I love him. He was preaching. I know. You can't stop a preacher. They just keep going. They just can't shut us up. And, uh, and God, God says this. Here's what God said. Return to me. I'll restore you so you can continue to serve me. In other words, like, there's still stuff for you to do. When you're ready to get back to work, let me know. When you're ready to stop crying, let me know so you could get out of timeout and we could play again. Because the rest of the family is going to have fun. You could sit there and cry. When you're ready, you're more than welcome to come back and play. And he's saying this. And he says this. Speak these good words rather than worthless ones. Then you will be my spokesman. Whatever things are good, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, dwell on these. And then he says this. Then you must influence them Do not let them influence you. Do you realize as believers, as people that we call ourselves Christians, we are the influencers of society? Not not athletes, not actors, not all these. Like, as believers, we are the ones to influence society. And so it begs the questions, are we influencing others or are we letting others influence us? What about our Christianity is different from the rest of the world? Because God's very clear. Listen, you need to be the influencer, Jeremiah. This is who I've called you to be. You're the head and not the tail. As a matter of fact, in Acts, when they saw some of the people, said, these are men who have turned the world upside down. When people look at the church, they should see a group of people that have turned the world upside down. And here's the, the, the fact about it. when the scripture is being told about men who have turned the world upside down, it, it's being told from, from people that, that don't have a, a really good perspective. Because the truth is, as believers, we're not turning the world upside down, but we're turning the world right side up. It's already upside down. There's already some things that are messed up. 
that we say, listen, Jesus wants to come in and bring it right side up. He was constantly talking about this is my kingdom. This is what it looks like. To be ones of that, to be the ones that have it, the peace that passes all understanding. Hope in something beyond our human ability. Have you ever gotten around someone and you just like, you knew that there was something different about their life that you wanted to be in your life? See, I've had certain people in my life, I get around Kevin Shirley back there. And like, yeah, I know he's messed up. (laughs) His wife will tell you. (laughs) But there's something about his life that I'm drawn to. There's something about the Jesus in him. I'm like, God, I, I don't, I'm trying to put my hand out. I just want to be around him because I see you in him. There's something about when I get around my friend Keith. Like, there's something about Jesus in him that, man, it's, it turns my world upside down. I know that Jesus has put something in there and it's blessed me and I just want to be around you. Do you have people like that in your life? Are you that person for someone else? Uh, there's this portion of the scriptures where Jesus stands on sage. It's actually this mountain. And he preaches the greatest sermon of all times in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And he preaches the sermon. And there's this part at the end of the sermon that has always kind of amazed me. And it says this. It says, and when Jesus has preached it, the men and women said there was something different about Jesus' teaching that he preached as one with authority, not as the Pharisees and the scribes. And I always thought that was interesting because I thought, what does, what does like, teaching and preaching with authority look like? What, what, what does authority look like and sound like? How was it when they were listening to Jesus? How could you say, like, that's authority? Because uh, it, it has to be more than just charisma, because I've seen lots of people that have lots of charisma, and like, there's the, the, the notion that like, if you just say it louder and if you just yell loud enough, that's authority. No, because I've seen people that whisper, and you could tell that's the authority. And, and, and so it's more than this, because and, and, there was just something about Jesus. There was something about Jesus. There was something about his words that I, I don't even know what it is, but There's something that I'm drawn to about him that he is revealing the Father to us, and I need to follow him. And and that's why people were constantly drawn to Jesus. I I, I don't even know what it is, but there's just something about this guy, Jesus. And I've always said, God, this is what I want you to do in me. I I just don't want to get up there and preach some kind of sermon. God, I, I want to draw people unto you. I don't want people to leave and think, man, how good Lucas is. I want you to leave and think how good Jesus is. Because here's the thing, whenever these apostles were doing these things, there's this other portion in the scriptures where they said uh, Peter and James and John, they were doing all this. And when they looked and that they perceived that these were unlearned men, they recognized that they had to be with Jesus. Let me translate that for you guys. When they saw how dumb these guys were, like this normal, average, just average Joes, if they could do it, they must have spent some time with Jesus. Like, you look at the seven pastors that are here at this church, and let's be honest, like, we're not much. <laughs> like, those guys, those guys lead the church? Whoa, I perceive they must be with Jesus. <laughs> and the same thing is true for all of us. 
The world is looking for some people that have been with Jesus. You want to speak with authority? You want to be ones that walk close with Jesus? To spend time with them. Be, be an influencer. He says all of these things. And I'm going to ask Krista, come up now. To just be with Jesus. And Jeremiah's poured out his heart. And God has simply come back with, okay, Jeremiah, I know this is how you feel. You feel like everything has gone wrong. You feel like your wounds uh, are, are, are just incurable. I know you feel like I've let, let you down in certain ways, like I'm this seasonal brook. Like I'm this spring that has gone dry. He, he says to the psalmist, listen, I, 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 I understand that you're thirsting and you're longing. And, and this is God's response. Return to me. Return to me. I'll restore you because you still got work to do. You can continue to serve me. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you're going to be my spokesperson. But you must influence them. Don't let them influence you. Like I know whatever it is you're going through, whatever pain, whatever heartache, and it, it feels like you've chased after God only to get so close to him, and then he's just like, gone. where were you at? God's saying, listen, just return to me. Speak good words. Whatever things are good, whatever things are pure, dwell on these. Stop thinking so negative, because the truth is you are blessed. You're blessed. You are a blessed people. You're a chosen generation, a holy priesthood. I know the plans and the promises I have for you. <laughs> but then here, here, here's, here's what God says to Jeremiah, and here's where it gets interesting. He says, they'll fight against you. They'll be like an attacking army. An attacking army. In other words, like, yeah, just because you had this moment and you had a good church service or you, you, you had special, like, there's still going to be some battles. There's still going to be some things that you have to face, Jeremiah. There's still going to be some things that are going to attack you. But I will make you as secure and as fortified as a wall of bronze. They will not conquer you, for I am with you to protect you and rescue you because I'm the Lord and I have spoken and I will certainly keep you safe from the wicked one and I will rescue you from their cruel hands. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come to the sea.